Welcome to Life and Liminality, a conversation about thriving in the threshold. That place in between what was and what's next, where ultimately all transformation is found. Welcome back, Liminal community, and thanks for joining us today. Lori and I have the privilege of talking with award-winning show and film director, Matthew Embry. Some of his notable films and shows include World of Hurt, Painkiller, Global Warning, and a life-changing and most impactful to me was Living Proof. But even more powerful than the films he writes, directs, and stars in is his strong voice in the multiple sclerosis community. He has an amazing story of transformation on multiple levels. Today, though, given the focus of our podcast, we'd like to have a conversation and discuss with Matthew his journey through liminal space. Before we get started, I want to speak briefly about how I know Matthew. In August 2018, an acquaintance of recommended I watch a documentary, Living Proof, about a young man diagnosed with MS. And after three emotional tries, I made it through and it set my life on a completely different course. Fast forward to March 2019, Living Proof was playing at the Sedona International Film Festival, and I happened to be speaking at a screening of the film not far away in Mesa, Arizona. Matthew graciously agreed to stop by the venue on his way to Phoenix from Sedona. He kindly participated in a question and answer session with the group and even stayed and spoke with my husband and I for nearly two more hours. Fast forward again to April 2020. While thinking of individuals to speak with for this podcast, I emailed Matthew and asked if he'd be willing. And he again graciously agreed. So here we are. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. So welcome, Matt. Thank you for having me here. Of course. I wanted to start first with uh, maybe a timeline of you and from your diagnosis at age 19, but I also don't want to get stuck there. I really want to span through um, some of your journey through liminal times and things where you left the known and maybe we're moving into the unknown. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, that's fantastic. And again, thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak on these issues. I've been very fortunate in, in this journey so far that God's given me a, a voice and uh, entrusted me to speak truth and hope into the world. And podcasts like this are so helpful. You know, we don't know who we're going to reach. So whatever I can tell to share my story, I'm happy to do so. I mean, I was born, I mean, I was born in, in Calgary in Canada, right? And I, I had a you know, relatively... You know, normal upbringing, you know, was heavily involved in filmmaking, even from a little guy. Like I was, I was making movies as far back as I can remember. So, I mean, I was born into this world to do that and, yeah. and to hone that craft. And I'd already made movies by the time I was in high school. I'd already been creating these things. I mean, I was already, I was given that gift. Um, but then at 19, you know, things really took a, a, a big shift for me when I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. You know, I was very blessed that my dad was a, a PhD researcher, and we were quickly able to find strategies that I was able to implement into my life to start taking control of my illness. Yeah, so I mean, I got up and I'm like, okay, I got the diet behind me, I got the exercise behind me, I got the vitamin D, I'm good, I'm going to keep going and ignore this problem, ignore this major life transformation. So talk a little bit about ignoring that and then coming face to face again with something that you made you deal with either your illness. Yeah, I mean, I think there was a couple of things. I mean, I, I really put, once I had my disease under control in my early 20s, I put it on the back burner. 
I really did. I just kept, and I just kept going. I wanted to be the alpha male. I wanted to have a successful career. I wanted all the exterior. I wanted to be the guy, the guy, right? I mean, I was in the entertainment industry. I was working in Hollywood at times. I, I wanted to be that and not look at, look, look at it. And what I really didn't want to do is look at the responsibility that I had to share my journey to help others. And then, you know, God put these, put a project in my life. Like, this is kind of where I see it started, where he put a project in my life where I had to shoot at a hospital. And all of a sudden I was like confronted with a long-term care facility, seeing people. And I was like, Hey, wait a minute. These people are my age. And I think they've got MS. And it was just like, I remember I almost threw up. I, and I went to the car and I was just like, okay, like, here I am, 17, 18 years out, keeping quiet on this, like flying low under the radar, not sharing my journey, not even showing up, not wanting to show up at events to speak. And that's when it started to, to work on me. And, w- and was that in shooting some of what became Living Proof or how – going from that timeline is again, so such a long time to, for 2017, you filmed probably for a year or more to, to create that film. Was that the start of the decision to make a film about yourself and your own journey in that? Yeah. Well, that would be back when I started to have that experience, that would have been back in 2000, maybe 13, 2014. It just kind of kept at all these things kept happening like waking me up being, you know, yelling, almost yelling at me, you're not doing enough. You're not doing enough. And then all of a sudden I had this, I can't even explain it. Like it was weird. All of a sudden I had this, I had to make this website and then I had to make this movie. Like I don't even know. I can't even really explain it. Right. And that's when I put it into action. And that's when things from, for me went pretty bad. Um, Interesting. Interesting. Do you feel comfortable talking about that at all? when things like went, went dark and, you know, we think of for people who aren't diagnosed, but they've been around someone diagnosed, they think that's the darkness in, in a similar sense. I was diagnosed in 2015 and I was running Ironman. I had just had a baby that didn't stop. That didn't stop me at all. I had that. The diagnosis itself was like, I'm like super healthy and I eat really healthy and I have no reason to make any changes to what I'm really doing. Some tweaks, maybe some, some little stuff, but it wasn't really until three years later that I was in the pitch black darkness and God got a hold of me and said, Hey, by the way, it's time. It's time for you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I kind of get it. Like I, I get, I get what you're talking about. And for me, that was, it was actually the journey of making the movie that got me there. You know, there's a scene in the movie in particular where I visit a woman's house that's in Los Angeles. And like, if I was going to write out my own personal hell that I was so scared of for 20 whatever years prior to doing that, it would have been that. And I lost it. Well, you can see when watching the film that you're physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually moved throughout the whole entire film. Yeah, and I was more or less an atheist going into the film, going into the production of it. Uh, I was starting to open the door a little bit. You know, that movie we shot only for, say, six weeks or two months, but we were traveling. Like, there was days you're not sleeping, you're, and you're, you're seeing patients that are your own age and just suffering. And in the back of your mind, you're like, well, if I would have spoken out 10 years ago, maybe I could have helped that person. Yeah. Right? And you start taking it on, and then I started to lean on uh, alcohol. And that's just yeah. the truth. And I, you know, and I talk about that publicly where I started to, I started to lean on that and that, and we know how that goes for people yeah. who start, who start to use that to medicate. Right. 
Yeah. That became really problematic for me, you know, and that just exacerbates your, your, your spirit just gets sicker and sicker in that. Right. Yeah. Lori and I have talked about a couple of times of like people's typical responses. One of those typical responses of numbing pain and numbing the feelings of grief and having to deal with some of that stuff. And that's, that's very real. Yeah. And I think that's where I got, and I, it just, it just kept getting worse for me. Like the, the, the number the, the stories we were filming and, and just the pushback. I was even little negative comments online. It started to bug you. Like, why am I doing this? Uh, I had no spiritual grounding. We've talked about before choosing some of the alternative pathway. And I've talked to Lori about some of the burden that I have felt your family being so on board right from the get-go, right? Being behind you and, and kind of pushing you. But some of the roadblocks outside of that, that you've run into and the struggles you encountered of choosing an quote unquote alternative pathway to dealing with your own illness. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely, you're going to get, you get social pushback. You, you get pushback from the MS community. You get pushback from the medical community. Uh, and to some extent you get pushback from the charities. Right. And I think I experienced some of that at all those levels at one point. Yeah. Um, you know, lo- looking back, I mean, God had created me to be a, you know, lion type. I was pretty fierce, ruthless, cutthroat human being. And that's just how I was. You know, looking back, I actually needed it in some level. It led to ruin, I'll tell you that. So talk a little bit about where your faith came in and how that journey went of going from atheist and you being your own God and kind of feeling like you were the top dog and you were created to do one thing to a transition to a completely different way of believing and, and thinking. I knew there had to be more. I mean, and, and I, I was a student of Richard Dawkins, of Sam Harris, Christopher Hitchens. You know, I'd really bought into that selfish gene philosophy, right? Uh, I liked Edward O. Wilson, the biologist who, you know, he bent more towards some sort of spiritual understanding, I think. But I just kept digging. And then I started getting into quantum mechanics and quantum physics. That became my research path. And then I read this really important article for me called The Mental Universe. I think his name is uh, Dr. Richard Henry. And it more or less spelt out for me that this world was some sort of illusion and it wasn't actually real the way I thought it was real. Like it really challenged a material understanding of existence in a way that I couldn't deny it. So I did an experiment um, and the experiment was I would only speak the truth to the minutiae because my theory was that If I lied or if I exaggerated or if I used the wrong word, I was putting a scratch on the lens of reality and therefore screwing up my own ability to perceive reality and screwing up the other person's. And it got, it was really awkward at first because I would start at, you know, I would be to Starbucks and they'd be like, how's your day? And I would say exactly how it was. So no pleasantries, no exaggerations, nothing. And then all this weird stuff started happening. People started appearing from my past, like old lies I had to deal with. I, you know, I got, I was getting sober at the same time. I had, I had gone into recovery and I just, so then I, but I was making efforts to make amends in my past. I was doing this work anyhow, but when I started speaking in only truth and then one day, uh, Christ manifested himself to me, but here's the thing. I just kept following the truth. Yeah. I end up in this office of an Orthodox priest and I tell him about, you know, that vision. And I actually had another manifestation too. It was scary and I'm shaking and I'm like, you know, am I crazy? And he just like, he just said, no, 
he took out, he took out a sticky notes and he like, this is what happened to you. Here's a book. Keep coming back. That's when the journey really kicked off. Wow. So how did the realization that you weren't in, in ultimate control of, of some of the outcomes, did that set you free in a way? You know, that's a really good question. I think that I agree. It freed me of my worry of the, of trying to control the future outcome, but it certainly narrowed my focus in regards to, okay, is what you're doing right now, the right thing. Right. Like it brought the now just front and center. Once you get to that point, like you said, expands the world, but yet brings it into this focus of being able to process moment by moment. And that's some of being in liminal space is that you don't have control over what you can see at the end of the tunnel or through the doorway over the bridge. But if I can do this thing right now and I believe and I'm following the truth that I know that that's going to, because I believe that God wants the good for me, it's going to be a good outcome and it's going to be positive. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think that the, 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 the biggest challenge for people is to stay awake. I mean, yeah. and there's, there's so many gospel lessons where Jesus is waking up his disciples, just being, wake up, yep. wake up. It's right, I'm right here. And I think that when my interpretation of that is the truth, the reality, God, all, it's right in front of you. Yeah. You, you got to engage. And then, but if you don't know the gospels, you don't know how to engage properly. Yep. And that becomes, okay, people need to be, I think, I believe that people need to be students of it. Like really students. So you, you can understand what to do. And I think for me in, in my journey, looking back now, the diet, the exercise, those were just spiritual exercises of teaching me discipline. Yep. Like they were material. Yeah, it's it, it was teaching me discipline. Like, can, can you do this? And then God had to lift me, you know, lift my story, his story. I mean, the story, he, I'm just a messenger, period, period. Like God did the creation. He created the movie. He created me. It's all just for a higher purpose. And I just got to do the work. I want to focus on something you said, Matthew, that really caught my attention. You just mentioned discipline. It's actually very important during luminal times. When we talk about disciplines in general, usually they have a purpose because we have a goal in mind. We want an outcome. And what's really hard about liminal space is that you don't know that outcome. You can only live in the moment. You can only be hospitable to anything that walks in the door today. And so when we talk about disciplines, it's hard. It's hard to know. It's not like you're eating a certain way to affect your health or to lose weight or to get stronger and you can see the evidence of that and um, so some of the disciplines that rose up to the surface for me were ones that um, really had more to do with positioning me to receive instead of positioning me to achieve and so that includes the the discipline of simplicity like really letting go of all of the extras the superfluous um, activities people, things that I was chasing after that I was attached to uh, that it affected my identity. I needed to let those all fall away. What for you, Matthew, were some of the things that you found once, once God got a hold of this story? You know, I, I think you bring up a brilliant observation here. And one that I, you know, I get on a soapbox, I talk about the same kind of thing. I mean, for me, it was saying goodbye to professional sports, you know, getting rid of my the football tickets I had 
stopping watching television. I, I would make a list mentally of what, and it, I called them distractions of anything that was distracting me from getting my life into action. It's interesting because I did it for outcomes, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like I really thought, because I, I, once I kind of woke up, I thought, okay, I want to be the best in the following categories. And that is the best person I can personally be, husband, father, work. I, I just made a list. And if what I was doing didn't fall into bettering one of those categories, I would try to stop it. Yeah, I appreciate that. I think that when I talk of outcomes, it's like, how how do you measure if you are the best father that you can be? It does give you a direction, but not necessarily a measurable um, like achievement. You can't check it off and say, I've made it. Mm-hmm. And then I think that's maybe one of the differences when we simplify in liminal space without knowing what the next phase of our lives is going to look like. We just have to be faithful in the moment to obeying and to being humble and to doing the best we can possibly do for what we've been given. And then if we're given a pat on the back at some point, that's wonderful. But for the most part, we won't ever feel like we're done. And maybe that's a shift that has to happen is that we continue to push because we're never going to achieve something, check it off and move on to the next thing. This, this is, it becomes a part of who we are. I completely agree. Like I completely agree. It's not, there's no finish line. No, that's cliche, but there's no finish line. I mean, another thing in my understanding is I also recognize that every single thing in your vision or your observation is created for you. Like you, you wake up to the creation is constantly giving you, for lack of a better word, challenges to achieve. Yeah. And I agree. If you think, okay, I'm just going to go, if I, if I try to predict the outcome of feeding someone on the street, I'm, I'm not going to understand it. Like yeah. I'm, I'm not going to get it because it's going to come in a way that I don't, I don't, I can't see how that connection works. But, yeah. then, but it's about transforming to what you're saying. You just transform what you are. It's good. No. And another one of the um, disciplines I think that you're referring to that certainly became alive to me was the discipline of listening, Mm -hmm. listening to the moment, listening to the voice of God at any given time to say, go this direction. And that's a very biblical concept. You know, he, he tells us that he's given us the spirit of, you know, of his son to say, go this way, do this thing. And so oftentimes I think when what you're talking about, we, we get in this expectation that we're going to have certain outcomes. And if we do these things, we get that. We'll miss the spirit of God saying, I have something different. I have something amazing for you today. If you'll listen and maybe shift your perspective. And it's one of the values I've found that liminal space gives us. We are removed from the structure. And so being in a fairly unstructured time, we can actually listen better because we don't have this job that we're trying to achieve. We're, we don't have a status we're going after in such good ways. And they give us the opportunity to listen. I think there's some practices that help us listen better. And, and that's what you're talking about is listening better. What are some of those things I, that have motivated you to listen and act? Because I see that in you that you don't hesitate. That, that takes something within you to not hesitate when you hear a mm-hmm. direction or something come across your path that says, go after that. How do you muster the courage to follow those inclinations? 
Well, for me, that was, again, it's, it started with my understanding that nothing is a coincidence. Every single thing in your observation is a creation, every, and important, and from God, period. That's how it works. So yeah. once I knew that, then it became, okay, you must act in the truth all the time to the best of your ability. That was the next key. Then it was studying the parables. And I mean studying them, like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I just studied them. And I, what I recognize is that those parables are teaching us these three-dimensional narratives that are happening in each of our lives almost every single day. So you can stop and recognize, where am I in the parable? Where am I today? Where am I in the story? And if you don't do it, you're following your own will. But if you follow what Jesus teaches in the parables, you, it's to what you're saying. It opens up another door to reality. Follow where God is trying to lead you. I love, it. I love that mentality that you, you just show up. And you don't have to know why. You just are present and follow. And, and it does take courage because I know that there's times where there's, there's some risk involved. You may find some of those inclinations to talk to somebody or stop on the side of the street. It's easy for us to get caught up in the risks mm-hmm. um, instead of just trusting that anything that's brought into our view has um, God's hand written on it. And he's going to bring what we need and he's going to, well... It's it's tough because you do see a lot of people face some some evil in this world, and it was because they followed an inclination, and it it didn't include wisdom, and so that's also one of the practices, one of the disciplines is to pursue wise counsel, uh, because we can get caught in our own misperceptions of the world, and so I found that I wasn't, especially in a liminal time, I wasn't always able to process without myself getting in the way. And sometimes I needed somebody else that knew me to see me from the outside and say, here's what I'm sensing is happening in you. This is not an accurate perception that you're having. You need to rethink this. And those people were really important because I couldn't get out of my own head. For you, who has been the wise counsel? Well, I mean, God sends them into my life. And it could be you. It could be my son. You know, and I've had weird things for people on the street when I'm helping doing my street ministry because I'm involved in that. They, the things they've said to me are so unbelievable. And I, I really like that point you made of being receptive. For lack of a better term, it's like we're antennas. Like the body's like an antenna. So how do you get the best information? And you make a good point that we have to have immersed ourselves in God's truth from mm-hmm. his word so that we can tune in better because, uh, you know, our own judgments are never going to be completely pure. They're never going to be completely void of our own um, selfishness in some way, but tuning in by grounding ourselves in the scriptures, there's, we can't replace that. Um, so I also found in liminal times, I could get caught. Like, I think you, you mentioned it a little bit about getting caught in the, um, the trauma, you know, the, the difficulty of it, the darkness, the sadness, the loss, and an important practice for me to shift out of that kind of mentality was a practice of celebration. You know, even if I felt like I was sort of wandering, I don't know what's next. I don't know what you have for me, Lord, in the big picture. I I know day to day I need to be faithful, but 
in the big picture where am I headed, celebrating that God had met me at moments along the way was important. And to remember those celebrations, um, just like the Israelites did when they built an altar. And then every time they came around that space again, they would see that altar and remember the story that God met them there and they had nothing to worry about. He would meet them again. And so I had to memorialize a few stories, a few moments where I knew God showed up and that could give me the confidence that he would show up again. And then also in terms of a day-to-day practice to be continually grateful and continually worshiping. Um, And that pushed me on forward instead of just spending time wallowing in the difficulty and sadness of the space I was in. I'm curious how you've incorporated for you, because you do seem someone that um, you know your story well, you pushed yourself forward, and you're motivated to celebrate what's good about this life now, even with the sort of underlying presence of a hard road that you're on. What is your practice of celebrating and gratitude? What does that look like for you? Yeah, I mean, I think that's really important. And I think for me, that's daily. So I think that, you know, I, re- I just heard some lecture recently that 1300 things have to go off in your body before you wake up. That's a celebration to me when I wake up. And I start thanking God. Like the moment my eyes open, I say, thank you, God. Or, you know, the sleep, thank you, God, for the day, thank you, thank you. And I just start, like, literally, I just start. Normally, what I do is I just go right downstairs and I meditate for half an hour. The number of things that happened just by being led, just by showing up, just by going to do the work we're commanded to do, you can do it instantly, right? Like, you can actually, there's, it's a combination. God will give it to you or you can go seek it. But being, having intention, that's a lot of what Lori and I talk about too, is being intentional about what you're doing and a little bit of what you're saying that people ask, well, how do I hear from God? What do I do? What are the things that I can do to like sit and listen? I mean, it's by practice. It's by implementing some of those things that become the routine that you just follow the direction of the Holy Spirit that you just, some, something comes into your mind and you, you do what that says. I should text this person. You do it. I should call this person. You do it. That's what it's about. That is following the Holy Spirit and listening, God speaking to you for sure. Yeah. And I think to your point, the more you do to better the transmission, the better, the quicker the information comes in. So the things that you're discussing are a lifestyle. It's a way of being the best version of yourself in any given day and moment. And I, I know that that doesn't go without difficulties. Like you said, you still have to work hard to get yourself, you know, into a place where you're meditating every day. You still, it still is hard work to get yourself to go running every day. And I do know that oftentimes I don't feel like working hard. I just want it to be easy. You have a hashtag that says no cheat days. And I appreciate that because it, it reminds me that we cannot give ourselves permission to not work hard at this because there's, not because it has this meaning for ourselves even, but because it's part of such a bigger story that God is writing with our lives. It, if we give ourselves permission to be lazy, to take the easy path, mm-hmm. then we're missing out on the amazing story. The balance of that is that I'm hearing a lot in our culture about self-care, giving yourself permission to just be a mess. And I I think that there's a balance there because I do know that we have to acknowledge that, that some things are hard and there are some days where we are just going to be on our face 
Um, yeah. How have you balanced that in the, in the way that you live with this very disciplined life? You, you ask a great question. And I think that I might be a little bit crazy that way. Like I may be different than the average person. I'm open to this, that I've got that, that discipline. And I, I, I try to tell people that, I mean, Jesus, you know, when the Pharisees come into him and they, they get all upset with him that he's working on the Sabbath, that's, that's for, that speaks to me. But there's no time off. You know, God, you got to keep at it. And, you know, and what is presented in front of you, you got to do. And I think that for me, you just must do these things. And if you truly listen, you just, you overcome it. And so I think that for, for me, that's the, and I just listen to that voice. And I look at that guy in the mirror and I'm like, yeah, I know you can do better. So I, I have found there's, there's been seasons where I, I do this better and seasons where I, I can look back and say, wow, I, I struggled to do anything disciplined during that whole time. And the balance for me is to not look back with guilt and condemnation and shame over those seasons. They were important for me in a way because had I always been 100% disciplined as a person, had I always just you know had it figured out, I would never understand what it's like for people who struggle with self-doubt and discipline and depression and that spiral that just makes it so you can't hardly get off the couch but mm -hmm. i've been there and so i i think that like what you're saying and I, I i love it because it challenges me and it makes me want to be a highly disciplined person at the same time i want to make sure i communicate that it doesn't open us up to condemnation for the seasons when we haven't been mm -hmm. Um, it should just push us and motivate us to say, yes, Jesus deserves our best effort. No cheat days. Mm -hmm. At the same time, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. He will give us the power to do what we need to do. And he will give us the grace when we don't do it. And I think that's such a, a battle. I, I don't want to ever see somebody giving themselves permission to just stay in a dark time where they say, well, this is, this is just a hard season for me. And just, they just end up staying there because they've given themselves permission to stay there. At the same time, I also want, I want to push people. Like, There's more to this. Dig into this because God is going to shift things for you if you stay open to the, the daily moments that he gives you to listen to his voice. He'll push you. I don't know. That's, that's the balance that I'm playing with of loving people deeply right where they're at in all of their messiness. And then at the same time, pushing people to be better. Right. I think that must've been what Jesus felt like. There's so much more than what you can see. If you would just follow me and just give everything of your life to this at the same time, he didn't condemn people that he came across that were living in a lesser state of their own creation. Right. Like he's like, stop it. Right. Like don't look back and to what you're saying, like don't beat yourself up for what you were like, stop it. Like now you, you already know you're going to be more disciplined. Maybe start today. And the fact that you're if you're watching this or hearing this message, that's because you're ready to hear it. Trust that what you're doing will be lifted up. I think that for me, that taught me the faith. I just love the perspective of, of a life of such um, adventurous faith. I mean, I, I am at heart an adventurer. And so the element of adventure of the unknown is what 
keeps me going. And I think that when we step into this kind of life of faith, it leads to a life of a, it's like a thrill ride at that point, right? Because at any moment, some unknown rock to climb might just jump up in front of you, you climb it, and you find that you're at a place that you never imagined you'd be. What a life of adventure. And if we, we step into that kind of faith that says, I know God will bring me what I need at the time I need it, and I'm going to faithfully walk into it when it's there, uh, stuff that we, can, we can't come up with, the kind of results that God can come up with when he puts an idea or some, some opportunity in, in front of us. So it's exciting. I think this is motivating for me. It makes me want to live that kind of just exploding life instead of one that's like so confined to the structure. And a lot of people will jump on to this idea and say, yes, I want that. I, I love the idea of living um, so unstructured and adventurous. There will be a lot of people that say, uh, no, thank you. I like my plans. What's next? I've got some control over it. It's interesting because I, I do want to motivate people, but there will be some that are not at all motivated by this type of adventurous lifestyle. And so I guess I want to give a shout out to those people as well, that God can use us in all of our need for structure or our personalities those of you who are planners, who need structure, God also knows you and sees you and will bring you to opportunities that fit who you are. It won't be the same as the person who loves adventure and risk and chaos. So yes, if you at first are not connecting to this idea of in any given moment, changing your plans and chasing after something new, don't worry. God will bring you to that point when you're ready for it, and he yeah. will give you the structure you need in order to succeed in it. I, com I completely agree with you. Like, yeah. Focus on today and like, just keep whatever is presented, just keep executing on what's in the day and don't worry about tomorrow. Yeah. And I know it sounds wild, but once you get there, it's freedom. Um, let's wrap it up. Yeah. I mean, if, if people want, you know, I try my, I, I try my absolute best to share uh, my journey. If you go to mshope.com, it's the landing page. So you can find all the things from there. And, and, and again, it's just, I'm just a messenger. And I, I want that to be really clear that I know that, that I'm a creation and of, of God. And that when I speak in truth, I'm speaking, you know, I, th I think I'm speaking God's words to the best of my ability. It's one of the things I appreciate about you, Matt, is that you're willing to share your journey and allow people to see a window into it, including what's hard about it. But I also think that what you offer is unique in that you are walking the path of somebody with a diagnosis, but that is not stopping you. And you're, in fact, it, is, it has made you in ways even more focused on the present and living fully in this moment, because that's all that you have. And I love that about your story. I also think you provide a lot of motivation to say, do it now, do this today. Don't wait. You can be disciplined now. If you haven't been before, it's fine. You're, we're not looking backwards. We're looking forward. Start now. And I think that that's a lot of hope. So I would encourage our listeners, just take advantage of what uh, Matthew's putting out there in terms of that motivation to move forward in your life, um, not be discouraged by something that's left you spinning, to take advantage of a moment and a day that you have, which is today. Yeah, I mean, th thank you very much for saying that. And, and one other thing I want to say to people, if you're diagnosed with something, or if, whether it be multiple sclerosis or anything else, and I say this when people call me, I say, 
you know, you've been chosen. This is great. And then, and sometimes they don't understand that. And I'm like, no, you've been chosen. Like now you get to overcome something and share it with the world and help other people. Like God's got a plan for you and it's going to be not easy, but wow, you are, you get to be on that journey of, of that path of suffering and the hero story of you get to save people. Go for it. Mm-hmm. And you're going to save them through your own story. Okay. Love it. I love that. It's very powerful. Thank you, Matthew. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. We really enjoyed talking with Matthew. Join Lori and I on our Facebook and Instagram pages. and Subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already to keep up to date with the content we are putting out. And please email us at lifeinliminalspace at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time. Drive in the threshold.